listening to the Air Quality Insider. Here we'll keep you informed on the latest changes in the world of air quality regulations and technology. The Air Quality Insider is produced by All4 LLC. All4 is a nationally recognized environmental consulting company that shapes environmental responsibility and creates distinction for our clients, our employees, and our partners. Over our next few episodes, we'll be looking at various topics covered in the All4 2020 Look Ahead. Today's episode looks at What's PFAS got to do with it? Written by Kayla Turney and narrated by Michael McHale. By now, I'm sure you've heard about PER and polyfluoroalkyl substances, or PFAS, even if you or your facility hasn't been directly involved in related projects or analysis. PFAS have been all over the news, social media, and now even hitting the big screen. But in case you haven't heard, PFAS are a large group of fluorinated compounds commonly used in manufacturing. Typical materials that contain PFAS are materials with grease, stain, water repellent, and nonstick properties, polishes, waxes, paints, and firefighting foams. There are thousands of different PFAS, so as expected, there's still a lot we don't know about them. However, US EPA and other agencies have been conducting human health impact studies, and the data has shown evidence that exposure to PFAS can lead to adverse health outcomes in humans. As such, there is understandable concern and fear growing amongst the public and a push for fast-acting regulation. What's all for doing? Well, listener, I'm glad you've asked. Although this is still primarily a water topic, we're starting to see the quick transition to becoming an air topic. To make sure we're prepared and at the forefront of this transition, we've created an internal PFAS task force that researched, attended public hearings, and partnered with other experts in the stack testing and analytical industries so we can provide the most value to our clients. We've learned a lot over the past several months, and I'd like to share some of the main takeaways with you. Permitting. Although PFAS are new chemicals to the arena, we're seeing them follow the same general pathway as other regulated air pollutants. The typical process we're seeing looks a little something like this. Number one, there's an area with water quality issues. Number two, regulators determine that some degree of the water contamination is due to air pollution deposition. Number three, stack test and sampling data is requested from local facilities to determine the source of pollution. Number four, a correlation between air and water is demonstrated. Number five, air regulations are passed. Number six, affected facilities are subject to testing, modeling, and or requirements to install PFOS control devices. Number seven, permits contain emission limits, operating limits, stack testing requirements, and other obligations to demonstrate ongoing compliance. This is a story that all four has read before. It just has a new lead character. Stack testing and modeling. Some state agencies are requesting facilities to conduct stack testing and other sampling, for example, raw materials, to determine if they're contributing to PFOS contamination. Since this is such a new topic, there aren't standardized sampling or analytical procedures yet. And with the vast number of PFOS and difficulty with identification, you can imagine this is leading to some challenges. Modeling may also be required. 
For PFAS, there are two different methods available to run deposition models. However, the methods require data such as particle distribution, particle density, and particle diameter. Again, due to the limited amount of published data out there, this can lead to skewed results. In addition, hydrogen fluoride modeling may be required as HF is a byproduct of PFOS combustion, that is, when oxidation is used as a control method. Toxic Release Inventory, or TRI. On December 4th, 2019, US EPA released a pre-publication of a proposal to add certain PFOS to the TRI. PFOS are unique because they don't break down naturally over time. They have a very high environmental persistence and bioaccumulation potential, so they are being treated similar to other regulated persistent bioaccumulative toxic, or PBT, chemicals. For example, lead, mercury, and polychlorinated biphenyl, or PCBs. As such, PFOS will likely have a lower reporting threshold like other PBT chemicals. US EPA is currently evaluating which PFOS meet the TRI listing criteria, but there is already concern that addressing PFOS in TRI will be a difficult task. With so many PFOS out there, how many will be added to the inventory? What is the additional legwork going to look like? How will you get the data to report? We will definitely be tracking this one closely as it develops. That's all for now. We're looking forward to seeing what 2020 brings and staying on top of this topic. If you have questions, comments, or would just like to chat about PFOS, please don't hesitate to reach out to Kayla Turney at K-T-U-R-N-E-Y at A-L-L, the number four, I-N-C dot com. This has been 2020 Look Ahead. What's PFOS got to do with it? Written by Kayla Turney and narrated by Michael McHale. Published on January 23rd, 2020. Additional articles, like the one that you just heard, can be found on our website, www.all4inc.com. You can also interact with us on Twitter, at All4Inc. Be sure to tell us what you think about our podcast using the hashtag AirQualityInsider. And feel free to ask us questions about all things air quality for us to answer in a future episode.